Hey everybody and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast. This is Two Fat Ladies, show number 88 and it's good to speak with y'all this evening. I have with me here this week the whole team but the nicknames are moving geographically because Sick Notes moved down to the Midlands and uh, Graham, oh Graham, you're not well are you buddy? I've got a poorly back. I did some work that nearly killed me. That'll be your error right there. <laughs> but the good news is, everybody, and who'd have who'd have betted against this, um, or even for it? Rach is actually quite perky this week. How you doing, Rach? Hooray! Hooray! For Rach. Good. Hooray! <laughs> Sick note, no more Touchwood and all that. Um, let's hope so. Uh, yeah, feel feel good today. Happy. I've uh, had a nice uh, day in the day in the dark room yesterday. It's it's brightened me right up. So uh, <laughs> day in the dark room has brightened you up. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> well, there, there, there is one of the paradoxes of film photography right there. Indeed. indeed. <laughs> OK, so uh, we have, um, well, we have two things special. First of all, we have no guest, which kind of counts as special because we've had guests pretty much every week for quite a while now. And jolly good it has been too. But we are going to have a special listener focused show uh, because Graham's got some stuff for us, haven't you? I certainly have. So I have put the call out to our awesome followers on Instagram. I probably should have spoken to you and then we could have also put it out to our awesome followers on Twitter and Facebook. But, uh, you know, time was of the essence. And um, I basically said, we're going to do a Q&A episode. Uh, we did one last year back in the summer, I think it was. Um, but that was before Rachel had joined us. And thought it'd be fun to revisit this um, and see what interesting and insightful questions our listeners have got for us. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds pretty awesome. I'm quite pleased with that, actually. It could be fun. It, absolutely. And there's some good questions in there. And there's also some from Hamish. So, you know, a mixed bag. Oh, well. <laughs> is, he, is, he, is he like on every week now? Or is he on some sort of special sponsorship deal for a mention every week? Hi, oh, yeah, Hamish. He probably ought to be. I, I we were saying just before we started recording, you know, listening back to last week's show, how much joy it gives me listening to Hamish chatting away. <laughs> he's just, he's a delight. Um, and his befuddlement is perhaps the most delightful part of it. So, yeah, you can never have too much Hamish. <laughs> okay, uh, right. Well, on that note, I suppose we'd better dive straight in, had we? We probably should not. I'm going to scatter throughout this. We've got a, a couple of or oh, three good emails as well this week. So I'm going to try and slot those in as we're going along and they make sense. Um, the first three questions are, you're not going to believe who they're from, guys, from the aforementioned Hamish Gill of 35MMC blog. He, also, no, never heard of him. Who's that? <laughs> he was the, he was was the he guy. Was he first who, off the mark? Really? He was first off the mark. He certainly was. Um, and he's got three questions. Um, the first one, uh, how many cameras has Jeremy broken in the last three weeks? Um I assume he's referring to me. So <laughs> the, the correct answer, though, doesn't, doesn't the correct answer depend on what day he asked the question? <laughs> <laughs> well, these were all literally in the last two hours. So these are very up to date. This is a bit of a sore point um, because, well, in the last three weeks, um, technically three cameras <laughs> suffered mortal <laughs> wounds. I was so, going to say, it kind of depends on what your class is broken as well, doesn't it, I suppose? Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. I mean, how many cameras have I had my hands on in the last few weeks? So we talked about the brownie last week um, <laughs> and, and the sad demise. I have actually finished the role in that. So we'll see how that came up with the last couple of shots of the broken lens. Um, 
the other camera, which I mean, I wouldn't say broken, but it's definitely non-functional in the most extreme sense, is the uh, Nikkei. Um, that's that's not working anymore. I feel confident as I look at the Nikkei, and then I look in another part of the room at the Nikkei, and then I look in another part of the room at the Nikkei, and I say, <laughs> that's non-functional. Um, the third and slightly more problematic uh, damage caused was to my one digital camera, um, which doesn't get a lot of use, but every now and again I do need it. And I have a Fuji X-Pro1, and I mounted on it a CCTV lens I bought on eBay with an adapter. Um, but the adapter didn't fit terribly well. It got sort of jammed on there, um, and I couldn't get it off. And I was going to use pliers to get it off, but I couldn't find pliers, so I used wire cutters, but that's by the by. <laughs> anyway, I forced the adapter off, and um, and now no lenses will fit on it. Uh, the end. The, the okay, perfect so. tool for taking... Uh, well, yes, maybe that was are. just about you, Graham. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're absolutely, you absolutely nailed it, Rach. We are doing a Thank show you. with the perfect tool. <laughs> Why, thank you. Um, so okay, if, so more importantly, can I have all your lenses now then? Because you've got some I haven't got. <laughs> uh, I've only got a couple of lenses for that because I was. It seems I've mostly used adapters for it. So I've got an M42 adapter for it, which I've used with quite a lot of my old lenses, which I really like. Um, but uh, you can have this. Oh, I've got a really good CCTV lens. The adapter's <laughs> got a couple of marks in it where it looks like somebody might have taken wire cutters to it. But it's fine other than that. And it's great. And it fits very snugly. So if you'd like it, Aid, I will absolutely post it to you. Um, one careful nothing... owner. <laughs> yeah, one careful owner. And then me. Um, if anybody's got a broken X-mount camera... <laughs> <laughs> that's really trashed but has a functioning um lens mount you know just drop me a line will you can that would that work off of any uh model then or does it have to be the same one as the one that you've got no i think because it's just the it's just the lens mount that's broken and it's not even the bit on the front it's the little bit underneath i mean i don't even know why it's there it seems like a pointless thing but apparently it stops my lenses from fitting now so there's that um yes a little frustrating apparently if i post it to fuji it will cost me 140 pounds i think i'll just put the camera back in the bag and ignore it for another year so i'll tell you what so that that is that does seem a, a you know uh, a little steep just to do something a tiny little job but i mean they a new one of those now is is about more than 10 times that cost yeah they've Luckily, gone up a lot have... since you and i bought into the whole fuji system yeah, well, I've got a couple of other cameras kicking around. Who needs digital anyway? <laughs> They're just unreliable, turns out. Can't even jam a CCTV lens on there without them breaking. So, yeah, just the three in the last week. Um, the next question, uh, also from uh, Mr. Gill. What percentage of the team has Leica lust? <laughs> well, oh. there's a question. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, we have had a little conversation about this, haven't we, on our um, on our little behind the curtain um uh, group chat on the on the um, yes on the production chat you know like where we instead where we discuss incredibly important production matters for this high quality show absolutely um and it would seem from that that i definitely have a lot of like a list at the moment um yeah, how about does that come out of nowhere because i've not heard you talk about that sort of thing much before yeah no i know i i, I play these things relatively close to my chest i think and uh, i just it's, it is something that I'd been thinking about for quite some time and I um, had a little bit of money that came from my mum when she passed away and I thought it would be really nice to get a camera 
um, that would be something I would look after and keep and use and love forever kind of thing so um so yeah it's kind of it's been floating around in my mind for the last sort of six or seven years really and um I just hadn't quite made the plunge because it's a lot it is a lot of money you know and it was really nice talking to Hamish about it last week and his thoughts on it and uh our uh, you know discussions of the fact that yes it's a luxury product and and that kind of thing but um I feel like well you know it is it is what I do for a living. It is my business and it would be nice to, uh, this is likely to be the only opportunity I ha- ever have really to have that little bit of uh, money to be able to buy uh, a camera like that. So I thought actually it might be the right time to do that. Um, obviously Graham brought um, Hamish's Leica down to London. I only held it for like about five minutes I think and took maybe two shots with it and I don't even know if either of those will have come out but um but it was really lovely to to try it out for the first time I just feel like I need to sit there with maybe the four or five different options in front of me and literally hold them try them shoot with them um to to be able to work out which one I'd like to go for and then then the uh, the search can begin hopefully at that point well, I think there's a there's a great shop that I know of where you could do that, which is uh, I think it's called Aperture UK. It's in Rathbone mm-hmm. Place in London, um, and they have all sorts of uh, marvelously exotic uh, film cameras from through the ages, including usually quite a, a good handful of Leicas that you could try. Yeah, it was lovely. Thank you for sending over the link. It looked looked really good. So obviously, I've I've mentioned it to Hamish and um and to yourself. So um, I think maybe next time I'm down in London, we should go in there uh, and uh, pop along to the shop and see see what they've got in because it would just be good to go and do that and hands on and try it. There's there's nothing like being able to do that to tell you whether a camera works for you or doesn't work for you, is there? Yeah, you just have to put it up to your eyes sometimes, don't yeah. you, and feel it yeah. and and play with the knobs. Yes. <laughs> Try it out. Yes. So yeah, so that's how I'm feeling. Lots of like a lust from me. Um and uh but yeah, just sort of like quietly simmering away in the background. At the right point, hopefully I'll uh, I'll go for it. So uh yeah. How about how about you, Graham? Obviously after your um adventures with your Kiev. Yeah, I mean I would be lying. Uh, having Hamish on last week definitely left me feeling like, oh my god, this is the thing that I need to do. Um and I think it's definitely exacerbated by the fact that you know, he talked about the fact that if you buy one of these things, it's an investment because they're only going to go up in money, which mm. the flip side of that is they're only going up in money. So the longer you wait, the less chance there is that you're going to get one. Yeah. Um, the, the only thing, and I was thinking about this earlier, um, is that this is not, I mean, yes, it's certainly more notable in Leicas. It's not exclusive to Leicas. Most analog cameras... <laughs> Or to a certain extent going up in price there's actually very few analog cameras that are going down or even leveling i mean you look at um all of the the decent slr systems the good point and shoots a lot of these things are climbing climbing but yeah um that is totally I, true actually that is absolutely totally true because i was looking the other day at um the prices of my nikon fe2s and they are almost twice the price of when I bought them a few years back you know I think I paid certainly for both of them I paid less than 200 pounds um each and now they're kicking up around 400 from the same shop 
Goodness me. Wow. Um, well, that, so, that so feels, this is... That does feel a big well, the, jump. That's a big jump, isn't it? It is a big jump. I mean, and, and to be fair, you could probably get them a chunk cheaper than that. This is, the, you know, this is from uh, Greys of Westminster, my favourite Nikon shop. So that you're paying top price for top quality kit at that point. Um, but uh, they they have gone up in price noticeably. So yeah, I mean, if 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 any kind of investment or 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 buying is is in your mind right now, then you know sooner rather than later, I think is is probably a good idea. The good thing about Leicas, right, is that uh, you should always be able to get them mended. Yeah, um, because Leica actually... will support them. Mm. Yeah. We've had actually. I'm going to read this out now because we've had uh, an email from our good buddy Jeremy North. Do uh, I not get to answer that to question then? Oh, sorry. Well, you can you can get to it after. It just this ties in perfectly with what you just said. So I'm going to read this email and then you can come back to you a bit afterwards. Okay? Uh, Does that yeah. sound Seam- seamless. I, it sounds seamless. seamless. <laughs> it did sound it, seamless until it we started arguing over it. <laughs> we put an alarm in when you. Uh. Okay. Um. Hello again, brothers Grimm and Sunny Rachel. I've enjoyed Oi. a couple of cracking episodes since my last email, not least last week's with Hamish. I do like it when he talks dirty about lens design, even though M slagged him off on Twitter about it. Does he know his gorse from his elbow? It's plainer for all to saw. Terrible oh, dear. oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. turned it into a poem. <laughs> I approve. The Leica debate was interesting. I know it's not a subject that is oft talked about among new plastic fantastics, but I think it's worth a further discussion. The Ferrari metaphor came up inevitably, which is how I thought about Leica for such a long time. However, that is based more on the brand and the majority of owners who buy them to look at and show off rather than use. In the real world, a Ferrari is just a postmobile which can't negotiate speed bumps or be used on the school run. Neither can it be used for a trip to Ikea, God rest his soul, to fetch a bookcase or cupboard to house all of the books or gear related to our obsession. A Leica is a workhorse, capable of doing all the down and dirty stuff and for decades. It is the Land Rover of cameras. Sonar for now! Jeremy, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really enjoyed that, Jeremy. Thank you. That, that <laughs> Not is least a lovely because email. I got to call. You know, uh, I I got called a, a bright sunbeam, so that's lovely. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so yeah no, that's it's, it's backing up what you're saying about the, the robustness of them. Yeah, um, I think you. I I think. Uh... Although I haven't got one myself, uh, and I haven't re- ever really shot with one, although I've played with them in a shop, um, they they will be supportable, I think. And so, whereas a lot of film cameras, you might expect to die at some point, and and then then would just be so much lump of metal. Actually, with a Leica, there all there should always be somebody, even if you have to send them back to Leica, which I know might cost five times as much as buying the camera in the first place, but it should it should remain feasible. But if I yeah. go back to the and first question about do I have Leica lust, the answer is no. Mm-hmm. It's it's just I I just don't have it. Um, I can I can sort of understand why people do, um, but uh, I just don't get on with rangefinders. I like to to you know I like to know what I'm seeing basically. Um, I am an SLR man when it comes to film cameras. It's you also you, you don't really get on with the TLRs, do you, Aid? And it's uh, is it a similar kind of for similar reasons because you don't necessarily see exactly what it is that you're taking? Uh, no, the TLR thing is a little bit more uh, prosaic than that. I just always turn the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and it frustrates the hell out of me. So with the t- so you know, it's like I'm looking at this thing. I just need to correct just ever so slightly my composition, and then it just t- I just turn the wrong way, and I say, "Oh yeah, and um, once I finished doing my um, my Mutley impression, um, uh, I, I just lose it. <laughs> You've had enough by that point. I like the so I uh, I like the camera to to disappear, um, mm. and there are different ways it can do that. My Bronica doesn't disappear because it's weightless, um, but it does disappear because you just get lost in the viewfinder of the Bronica. Um, the the Nikon's they disappear because they're just so easy to use, and you know they 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 literally you you know you don't really even feel sometimes the act of taking the photograph. Um, uh, but with a TLR, it's it's brain switched on all the time, and I, I can just about on a good day put together a composition. Um, but I can't do composition and technical at the same time. My brain just doesn't do that. So. Try shutting one eye. Apparently, you end up with. <laughs> I, I realised this from when I was wearing my eye patch. Um, would you believe um, that? Apparently, uh, Sam Cornwall sent me a, a message saying um, apparently you use different parts of your brain depending on which eye you're using um so if it's your left eye that you've got open then it's the right side of your brain or, or vice versa that kind of thing uh, and apparently you see numbers differently and all sorts of things in terms of groupings so uh, quite interesting in terms of how we're physiologically made up that's it that is interesting sadly i only have one eye that works well enough to shoot with so <laughs> he's not as bad as hamish yeah well yeah well no i just i just have uh, too much astigmatism in my right eye um, uh, and so even with correction, whether it be glasses or contact lenses, I still can't get it to be entirely straight. So I can't use it for shooting because I can't see. Whereas with my left eye, um, I can actually focus. So, mm. so it's just one of these, just one of those things. But no, I, I, I get, I do understand the Leica lust, but it, it's not something that I, uh, uh, I'm blessed with. Um, I think for me, you know, the. Um... The, the allure is, as you said, it's of having something which I could buy and have confidence that in 20, 25, 30, 40 years time, it could still be a working thing because of the support. And, um, you know, that's more meaningful to me than the the, the investment side of things because you know, I don't sell stuff. I never would. Um, but I don't know. I, I would like to get one. Um, but. You have to have the money to do that, and I don't know whether that's going to yeah. happen. I tell you what, um, I do have actually, just in case it's of any interest to anybody at all. The analog thing that I love and that I really do love is my watch. I have a an analog watch, um, uh, you know, a proper clockwork watch, and I really love that. Uh, I love it to bits. It has partly its emotional value because it was a present on a particular time, and you know, and, and it means a lot because of that. But I have a real joy of ownership about that watch as well. That's so nice. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Aid. That's partly what it's about. It, we we can be quite sort of sentimental in a good way about these things. I think you know, for me, you know, with cameras and things, it's about the story. It's about who's owned it before. It's all of those things add to the value of the camera itself obviously you want one that works and, and things but it's it, that emotional connection i think is very important and not to be overlooked really um and uh, is it I, I should ask is it an actual fob watch is it a victorian gentleman's fob watch on a, <laughs> on a kitchen no 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 so no it is it is a wrist watch um it is okay. an, it is uh, an omega wrist watch uh, ah. which was a present from my wife on the day our first child was born 
Um, oh, so it has really? huge sentimental value for that purpose. But I also have a real joy uh, of ownership. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I love the watch for being a watch, not just because of what else it might mean to me. Until, and I love it until it requires servicing and then I cry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Same with all these things. Okay, we have one last question, which should be a nice quick one for you guys to answer from Hamish. Who's more cool, Hamish Gill or M from Emulsive Film? Uh, quick take. Uh, Rach, who's more cool, Hamish the... or M? Oh, God. Um... <laughs> You've got a big one. The... How about Emish? Feeble. Uh, <laughs> aid, go on. Um, I, 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 I find it impossible to tell... Uh, which one of the two of those gentlemen is the coolest? Um, uh, I, I don't think they're blipping on my radar of cool. <laughs> <laughs> Equally uncool. Um, I mean, the thing is, right, Rachel and I have both met Hamish, so we know where he is on the cool scale. And we have to picture whether or not M is higher or lower on that cool scale. Um, if he's lower on that cool scale, then he has... <laughs> And he's a real pipe and slippers kind of guy. Um, but nonetheless, I think we have to give it to the one that we've actually met. You know, M's elusive and secretive, and that's kind of cool. But, you know, we we know Hamish for the lovable, badly dressed, <laughs> confused and flustered <laughs> man that he is. And I think that's kind of cool. So I'm going to give it to Hammy on this one. I'm sure M would understand. OK, um, next one. We've got some questions from uh, this is Jella, our good friend, Angela. Uh, first one, um, so and the first one is favorite formats and projects for 2018. Um, do you guys have a favorite format or are you uh, format agnostic? Is that the right word? <laughs> um, uh, agnostic, does that mean you don't believe in anything? Yeah, so, you, you so, not the opposite, in anything. so the opposite of believe in film. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an agnostic. I think in this case it just seems you just don't have a preference yeah yeah I think that's probably where I've I mean I know I shoot a lot more 35 mil but um I love both of them equally I, I have a preference I have a strong preference for medium format um I, I I've I've talked about this a lot but I I love the aesthetic that comes from having a longer lens with a wider field of view um, and still in a camera that supports my style of shooting, which is handheld and you know and and untripoded and mostly unplanned. Um, so you also shoot a surprising amount of one ten aid. So so I, I I like that for its novelty value, but um it, and I and I, I think it's fun, <laughs> but it's not something <laughs> that I have that real deep down. When I look at it, I go wow. I was looking through some photos the other day, so just back over the last year, eighteen months or so, trying to pick out some stuff, and I came across the shots from uh, my summer holiday in Portugal last year, and we oh, only yes. we only went for a week, um, and they were only family snapshots around the pool and stuff like that. Um, but I took my Bronica to Portugal and I look at them and I go and I really do go, wow, every time I see those. Mm. And I know I don't do that with 35 mil, even though they're great. They can be great. I don't do that with um, with 110. I don't do it with any kind of digital, even though I've got uh, a couple of lenses for digital that I really, really like the lenses. It's that whole wow factor from the Bronica that I, that really gets to me. Um, mm. It doesn't have to be 645 just medium format in general 
Okay, well, actually, this is perfect. We have another email which I'm going to seamlessly slot in here. Unless you want to ruin it again, Aid. No, no, you go for it, mate. I, I did answer. Hang on. Look, you. No, oh my yeah. God. Oh yeah, no, that's you wouldn't ruin it. No, yeah. God. I don't think I don't think actually letting people answer the question asked by the listeners is ruining the show. I think that's the whole point of a Q and A show. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just called a Q show. <laughs> it's just a Graham's questions. Yeah, it's just Graham's uh, questions. Oh, let's move on. <laughs> you will answer, You will get your. Oh my God! I hate you both so much. Right. I'd like to hear. I'd like to hear from email. Rach. Rach, what do you think? Fine. Let's cut to Rach, and then we'll jarringly cut back to this email. Crack on. Well, no, Go you on. Have to, you have to answer as well, Graham. I feel badly. I've gone shy. Okay, right. So, um, I would say my favourite format, also at this point, would be medium format, and I think it's also more to do with um, shooting slide, and I would say that that is what just. You know, you were talking about the wow factor aid and yep. it's seeing slide film. 35 mil is beautiful. But then as soon as you get to something like medium format slide, if you can, get, if you can nail the exposure, I just think it's just absolutely amazing. There's these sort of like beautiful jewel like, you know, um, little slides that you can actually put on your light box and just look at and go, oh, so gorgeous. Um, I would say large format because that would be even more incredible. And I've I've really loved shooting large format this year as well. Um, but the but for the price, that's the only thing. It's it's the issue with um, obviously film and you know um, obviously for the for the material to put into the camera to shoot those, the costs of that can be quite you know um, off putting I suppose. So uh, so that's it. That's the only thing. Otherwise, you know, if it was free free film for large format, I'd uh, I'd shoot that to my heart's heart's content. So I think medium format is a nice in-between balance of being able to uh, to give you a number of shots but not too many so yeah i would also go for that good stuff okay graham take us oh, the email uh, oh, I've got, oh guys i've got an oh, email got no um no uh, my my answer is uh, different to yours anyway um the email comes in from scott willard um he writes, hi relatively new listener found out about you via tips from the top floor Never heard of it. Um, I'm wanting to get into film again, and I'm also wanting to get a medium format body. My question is, what's a good value medium format camera to start with? I would prefer an interchangeable lens option rather than a fixed lens. Is Zenza Bronica a good start? Hasselblad is generally more expensive. Or the Mamiya bodies? I'm not sure where to start. What would be a good portrait lens? Thinking of an 85mm equivalent on full frame. Look forward to hearing recommendations. Thanks from Scott Willard. Actually, do you know what? You're right, actually. If you'd managed to seamlessly get that email in between me and Rach, you would have fit quite right. well. <laughs> I'm off. Goodbye. <laughs> it's okay. Who's editing the show this week? Graham, you just edit you. it in and it'll be fine. No <laughs> Nobody edit, will ever know. No edit needed. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. It's raw and, un, raw and uncut or whatever the phrase is. Yes. yes, I think it's raw and unpleasant to listen to. Is the, uh, <laughs> right. I mean, Unplugged. Aid, yeah, you and I, Aid, have both got Bronicas, um, and we are both very, very fond of them. I think that's fairly safe to say, isn't it? It, it is, and uh, they are uh, reasonably affordable. Uh, like all cameras, like we just discussed, they are going up in price a little bit, I think. Um, 
but uh yeah the the bronica uh etrs uh, or etrsi or etr the the bodies there's several different specs of bodies um the le- uh, f- uh, they're all great um i personally have the etrsi uh and i have a an aperture priority prism on it as well uh, because that's how I like to shoot. Uh, but you can get them with waist level finders. You can get them with non-metered prisms. Um, uh, that's all good. Um, the lens, I would say, is probably more important than the, the camera version that you get. Uh, so in that range, uh, the 75mm 2.8 is awesome. And that's what I've got. And the one that you're looking for, because there are three different versions of it, is uh i think they call them the pe lens don't they is that the one is that the good one well i mean th- th- that's maybe not the way i would frame it but the the pe was the most um up-to-date one it's the one with the most recent frame. i mean I, I i don't think there's any bad ones there but the pe are the ones that are regarded as the best of the bunch um yeah i don't yeah. think i've got any pe lenses but so, There's three different specs, I think, aren't there, Aid? Yeah, so I, and I, I only actually have two Bronica lenses. I have the 75 PE and I have a 150, and that is not the PE. It's one of the earlier models, and you can actually tell the difference. I know it's a silly thing to try and compare different focal length lenses, but actually, uh, if, if you if you can find one, um, and they're not usually much more money, um, it's just a question of searching eBay for the right spec, uh, then definitely worth getting. Awesome lens, one of, uh, probably my favourite lens. Yeah, and I have to. I think that the seventy-five mm lens is probably a better option than the one fifty lens. The one fifty lens would be the the portrait lens equivalent, um, but the seventy-five mm does is such a nice lens and it's really good for portraits but it's also a lot more flexible um i think if you only had the 150 you might be limiting yourself somewhat um good and the other good thing yeah, with the Bron- absolutely and i mean and the bronica i think it is still the cheapest option um to get into and there's you know there's, you can get um 35 mil backs for it the backs are fairly inexpensive the nice thing is that the lenses are all pretty inexpensive for the for the main three size lenses so the 50 mil the 75 mil and the 150 mil you can pick all of those up for i think 100 pounds or less there's plenty of them out there i mean it might not be the pe lens coating on them um but um yeah you can get a good setup quite easily i think i bought my camera with three lenses two backs a power winder and the ae thing and i paid under 400 pounds for it i mean this was a, a few years ago but it was a, a good it was a complete system um if you want to get some of the more unusual and exotic stuff um things like the macro lenses and the zoom lenses and stuff like that, that can get more expensive but even so it's still a very good cheap way of getting in um wh- what are you rocking rage um, to be honest, I don't have anything that has interchangeable lenses. I, In terms of medium format, I shoot with my TLRs. So I've got a Rolly Cord and a Rolly Flex, and those are the ones I tend to shoot with. So um, probably not that relevant for, is it Chris? Yeah, uh, no, Scott, yeah. not even close. So, oh, so, um. so sorry, Scott, sorry. <laughs> <clears throat> sorry, Scott, I'm, I, mis- I misheard that. Um, yeah, I... Uh, yeah, I, lo- I love my TLRs. Uh, they're great. They're compact. They're in one little unit. Um, you don't have to worry. You just kind of like go and shoot with it. And uh, and that's why I really love those. Um, but yes, I've not had the pleasure of uh, shooting with interchangeable medium format cameras such as the uh, Bronica or the Hasselblad really yet. So 
hopefully at some point I will um my dad originally had one but had to sell it so that I could go to university (laughs) sorry dad um and and obviously now I feel absolutely devastated about that because we no longer have that camera but um but it, it you know obviously needs must at the time so I've not yet had chance to to play around really with with any of those. So um, hopefully, maybe maybe if uh, somebody who comes to the photography show in March has happens to have one, um, it would be nice to uh, to have a little look through and uh, and see how it would work. Yeah, I mean, I think we, we're we're both um, Bronica shooters. I think the Mamiya is much of the mm. same thing, isn't it? Um, and I mean, the thing is, like, particularly if you get a setup like um, I, I, we've got, where like I said, I've got um, a grip with power winder on and an AE finder. I mean, it's a lot like shooting with a big digital camera or big SLR. Mm. I mean, you're getting the same same functionality and same feel. Um, there's, you, uh, there's Pentax as well as. Isn't there the RB like sixty seven? Is it? Um, the, that one's quite popular. Sorry. Yeah, that's that's Mamiya again, Rach. Yeah, the Mamiya RBs. I mean, they're bigger. Oh, I mean, sorry. Our friend Chris has just bought uh, a Mamiya RB67. Um, yeah, they're nice, and they're not. Again, they're not that expensive. Um, the only downside with those is they are big lumps they are of weighty. metal. They're, they're so, so the, heavy, aren't they? The RB God. is the one is is the bigger one of the two of, of the, uh, in that style from Amir because and it ha- and the RB stands for revolving back. So you have a, a, a I think it's a six by seven, um, um, but you yeah. can have it revolving. You, you can revolve the back when it's on the camera, so you can shoot either portrait or landscape, but without having to turn the camera around. You just spin yeah. it back. The the uh, smaller one is the RZ, isn't it, or the RZ? Um, I don't know if it's small. I think the RZ is is the pro. Don't ask me what the differences are, but the RZ is the higher spec version of the two. I think they do both have rotating backs, and I think they are both about the same size and also the same metric tonnage. I don't <laughs> know what the differences are, though. I'm sure somebody will definitely let us know, but they are really nice, but they were designed to be more studio cameras. Um, so... If you want something to pick up and get out with, they wouldn't be my first choice. No, I didn't no. mention this to Chris before he bought his. But um... there is there is the Pentax six seven. I, yes. I knew that there was. Yeah, sorry, that's where I, I got slightly slightly confused. But the Pentax six seven also has interchangeable lenses. Maybe that's something to look at. Um, but obviously, it's a slightly higher price point. I think in general, they're, they are. Yeah. They're, but they're awesome cameras. But Pentax also yeah. did a six four five as well, actually. So there, there are there are several choices. I think plenty of choices in fact yeah yeah but definitely if you're looking at a way to get in i I certainly could not recommend uh, bronica highly enough i've been really pleased with it um so yeah good ones to look out for okay excellent Uh, excellent well do you know what i tell you what actually might be uh, (laughs) might be now time to seamless seamlessly link into a break if if the if that's the end of that particular email if we've answered well i haven't given my answer i haven't i haven't given my (laughs) you have you've just given your answer Just giving your answer. Okay, and on that note, we will seamlessly move now into a short break and then come back with more listener Q&A. back and you know we've had a little chat amongst ourselves about not talking over each other and and letting graham get his seamless uh, links in. 
and, and and at the end of our little chat, we agreed that we were fine as we were in the first half. So, <laughs> so Graham, over to you. Okay, um, we've got a couple more questions from Jella. So the first one is, and this one uh, is a direct lift. So she said, if at Emulsive Film can fund one international trip for you for a week, which location would it be and what camera and films? Now, Rach, I'm going to go first because you should have just answered this question because hopefully you're going to have your, whatever it is, this is why I shoot film thing on Emulsive. So have you got a good answer for that? Ready to go. Okay, well, I actually I do. Shall I shall I bring it up? <laughs> um, no, it's um, <clears throat> okay. Eighteen months. M's been asking me for this article, and I I actually got a message from him directly today saying, "For God's sake, woman, get your ass into get." No, he didn't say that. You've done two said, for Hamish, though. <laughs> All right, don't make me feel worse. Three, three actually. Um, yeah. So anyway, aside from that, very sorry, M. This, this is my on-air apology for that. I will sort the rest out um, because between him asking me and actually me getting the answers to him, <laughs> the, there's been an update in terms of the questions that he asks and there's now like three extra questions that I have to answer because <laughs> it's taken me so long to answer the others. <laughs> so <clears throat> anyway, we'll get there. One of them is actually asking about where would you go or what would you shoot? Um, and my answer was New Zealand. Um, I've always wanted to go to New Zealand. I did a um, a project in when I was in the Brownies. Would you believe I didn't quite make it to Girl Guides, um, but <laughs> but I was in the Brownies and I got quite a few of my badges. And one of them was on travel, and um, I did all my research and um, looked into all the different countries and things. And I just thought New Zealand looked amazing in terms of the culture and the. Um, and the beautiful scenery and, and I just thought wow I've never seen anything quite like that before so uh, I'd always wanted to go I've never made it yet so there we go if um, if there is a reclusive billionaire um, who would like to pay a, a you know a flight for me to go I'll head over there nice <laughs> I'll go and I'll um, and uh, and yeah I'll go and shoot some uh, medium and large format slide because there we go that ties into my last into the last question doesn't it it does indeed. Okay, Aid, what about you? You've done quite a lot of travelling. Anywhere that you'd want to go back to or anywhere new? Oh, well, I mean, I you know, having recently had the most amazing trip to Bhutan, um, that, that definitely checks one off the list. I'll tell you what, um, I, there's a trip I've always wanted to do. Um, uh, it'd take a lot longer than a week. <laughs> um, but the trip I've always wanted to do is the Trans-Siberian Railway. I would lo I'd love to do that trip where you fly out to China and you get the train home, <laughs> you know, and you come all the way across China and Mongolia and Russia and, and all the di yeah, many different views of Russia. Of course, it's, a, it's an enormous place um, and you know, stopping at different places along the way to experience the different countries, the different cultures that that is uh, that's the one thing that I've wanted to do for many, many years. That sounds incredible. Road trip. <laughs> Train trip. Train trip. I'm not Train driving trip. it. It's about 5,000 miles. I'm not driving it. More than 7060. that. 7060. Train trip. <laughs> uh, no, that, 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 sound, that does sound quite that, amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what about you? What about you? 
Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, my first instinct was actually to also go New Zealand because um, I have been lucky really? enough to go to wow. New Zealand. Yeah, I've not been very many places, but New Zealand is one of the few places. And it's quite an incredible country because the thing about New Zealand is that it's not all that big. Um, but what it crams into there in terms of geology and, and the different cultures and, and all this stuff is kind of amazing. There's a hell of a lot there. And unfortunately, when I went, um, the only camera I had was my small purple plastic point and shoot. I didn't really have much of an interest in photography at the time. Um, but it would be nice to go somewhere that I hadn't been. Um, I'm very tempted to say Canada, go and visit Jella up in Canada mm. um, or, or possibly um, sort of South America somewhere. I mean, after seeing Gillian um, Highland's pictures from Cuba and uh, I mean, I realized that, you know, <laughs> that she's portraying that place and you're really getting something out of it that I wouldn't just trip over. But um, it seems like that part of the world, because I'm, whilst I love going to beautiful places, I'm not a landscape photographer. And um, so, yeah, South America does appeal because there's just so much other stuff. There's so much life down there. Um, yeah. And um, and I would take uh, my, probably, probably my Olympus because 35 millimeter makes far more sense. You can do so much more. That's that's the film format we should all be shooting because you get loads more goats <laughs> and um, that's always awesome. Um, I, so, yeah. I, I can see why you would definitely say that. And, and I do have a lot of love for my 35 mil cameras. I was saying just when we were on the break, I, you know, all of most of my cameras, vast majority of them are 35 mil. Um, but actually, if you were going to go and shoot in Cuba, then that does make sense, I think, definitely. Um, whereas if I were going to New Zealand, having my medium or large format and shooting it on slide and all of that sort of stuff, because you'd have the opportunity to get those incredible landscapes, that's the way you want to see them, I think. So it's about choosing the right tool and the right camera and the right format for the job and uh, that they're very different in terms of spaces. You are, so that's cool. yes, you are completely right is. on that. Yeah, absolutely right on that. Because when I went to Bhutan, I so desperately wanted to take my Bronica, but I didn't mm. dare. <laughs> I re I just didn't dare <laughs> take it because I thought I'm going to be hiking in mountains in thin air with not yeah. a lot. Of, and and, and uh, although I felt like it was a massive compromise to take 35 mil, um i i took it and it was absolutely the right choice um i had two cameras identical i could put different films in them i didn't have to worry about whether one broke or not um you know and it, it really was the right choice the 35 mil is an awesome format for travel yeah couldn't agree more um okay uh we've got one final question here let's see if we can get some good good, good answers for this one um again from jella um we've got more questions after that don't worry if you were given an opportunity to create a brand new film emulsion what would you make uh, a broad answer is fine and as i mentioned i got today in the post from russia where aid's going on its holidays when you get some uh, opportunity uh my silbera film turned up today um, cool. So I've got a roll of Ultima 200 and Silbera Pan 200. I oh, wow. Had not... This is what you backed. Yeah. So I'm very mm. pleased about that. I haven't had a chance to try it yet, but included with the film was a little sticker and also a chocolate. Hang on a second. And I'm going to try the chocolate out now. <laughs> they know how to win you over, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> You're an easy sell. Give them some chocolate or some, some dodgy boobs and bumps. But um, what was it? Wine gums, I think mm -hmm. somebody sent you. Yeah, mm -hmm. and and you're you're done. <laughs> yeah, if the film is as good as the chocolate, we're onto a real winner here. <laughs> Didn't Nick and Trick send you some sweeties as well, and you were 
bowled over by them with that. Yes, when I when I bought some film from them, there were some sweets in that package as well. It's a, it's a solid move. It is a solid move. So come on in, guys. Um, Aid, what about you? If you could if you could craft, you could handcraft a film just to your specifications. What would it be? So it would totally be color, mm-hmm. um, because I love to shoot in color. Um, and actually, these days I I shoot very little black and white at all. I I much prefer to shoot in color. Um, I think it would be uh, I th- I think it would be something. Well, let, 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 it's it's a wish list, isn't it? So it would be a slide. It would be a slide film that had great um, great latitude. <laughs> so you could just fire fire away yeah. fire away like i do with portra or ektar or you know stuff like that um uh and it, it you know uh but but have the the wonderful vibrancy uh, of slide oh and it would be uh a 10 by 8 negative and a really small pocketable camera as well <laughs> Perfect. um but other than that um uh maybe something Other a bit like maybe something a bit well keep seeing is that is physically impossible maybe something <laughs> like fuji superior i uh, it's just such a shame that that's gone away i so loved fuji superior yeah it's a good film it's a very good off-the-shelf film what about you rach i would have to say something like pack film because i never got to shoot it that is that would be my wish list that would be awesome if i could if i could try that if i could create that and make that sort of look um possible again um obviously new 55 uh, you know looked at bringing out theirs and, and what have you and i just think there's there's something really special about those and i love the colors that you would get from the fuji pack film and uh, you know so maybe it would be that and a monochrome version. Having seen how much I've enjoyed shooting the Instax wide monochrome, um, I think that would be lovely if we could do a pack film in colour and in black and white. Yeah, no, that sounds great. I think for my part, um, I would just... I, it's a real bummer that all the fast colour film has gone. I'd like some fast colour film, some sort of 1600 or even 3200. I don't care if That's it's a great... That's a good shout, actually. That's a really good film. idea. What, what is there? What's left, guys? Nothing. I mean, I think the the four eight hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the 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 superior sixteen hundred is probably gone mostly at this point. Yeah. Mm. Same with the Natura as well. I think um, that's our lot, which is yeah. So Porter eight hundred is about the fastest you can reasonably buy, and when I say reasonably, I mean you know delightfully expensively, but more or less get hold of (laughs) should you choose to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next one is from Toby Vandervelde. If you had to strip your camera collection down to only one per format, so one 35mm and one medium format camera, which two cameras would you guys be rocking? Aid? I've more or less done this already. If you take toy yeah, cameras if you pretty... take toy cameras out of the equation, yeah. I've actually done this already. It's the Nikon F E two and the Bronica ETRSI. Easy. Yeah. Easy. Not Rach, very exciting, but easy. <laughs> Not going to be quite so easy for you, is it, Rach? Are you saying this because you've now been and seen my dark room? Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> would you say that I have quite a few cameras? Yeah, the correct amount. Not good, quite enough. good. I'm glad to. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I don't have a problem. It's fine. Um, I okay. I'm stripping it down. Oh God, it's so hard. Okay. Would it be a Leica, Rach? 
I don't have a Leica. No, but like... We're stripping your... down my camera collection, aren't we? So we're stripping down the collection I currently have, yes? Mm-hmm. Let's go with that. Okay. Yeah. All right, okay. So the collection that I currently have, it would be um, my Rolleiflex and my OM30, because that's the OM camera that I have for my SLR. Okay. That's a good choice. I think I oh, like my... large format. Large format. Oh, you own it. Have... Oh, no, it's a one of each format, right? Go on, go on. So, um, my uh, Chroma. Yep, <laughs> the one large format camera that you have. I think I have my large format pinhole. Uh, yeah, yes. Oh, your yeah. All right then. <laughs> your two large okay. format oh, cameras. My, my two large format cameras, because I've only got two of those, so chuck them both in. Oh no, that's not true. I've got my wet plate camera. Oh crap. Okay, well that's different size as well, so <laughs> I get to keep that one too. Yes. Hey, hey, do you remember during the break when I said we need to make these uh, answers a bit snappier? Um, no, I've my, completely my forgotten. Choice. <laughs> <laughs> my, my choice, it would be the OM1 because that camera just rocks. You and, do love that uh, camera. Probably my Bronica as well. Yeah, my my um, Yashica, um, which Yashica, well, my Yashica 635 would have been in consideration um, until it broke, um, so it's not anymore. Um, so, yeah, the, the Olympus is just nice camera to use and that, that that may be the closest i ever get to the to the leica in terms of having something that will hopefully last me a while because there's a lot of good support for that out there uh, and the bronica because it's just great okay uh next question um let me see let's see what intelligent questions we have here um uh, from cory cannon how often does jeremy take pictures a month <laughs> not often enough hey cory um, long time no see buddy Yes, uh, then, then there's questions like that. It's going to be even longer. Um, also, Graham, you did you did get through two or three rolls of film when you came to Liverpool, so that's pretty good. Yeah, I've got through a few lately. I, I suffer from um, opportunity to take pictures. I, I went out for a walk. As mentioned at the beginning of the show, I've had uh, I've messed my back up this week. Um, uh, but as part of that, I can't just sit around. I can't do anything. So I thought, oh, I'm going to go for a walk around the village. My village is deadly boring. <laughs> I could not find anything to take a picture of. Um, also from Corey Cannon, how hard did you throw your camera on the lens on that dock? Um, it was gravity. It was not me. It was gravity. Uh, to be fair, you're pretty tall, so it was yeah. <laughs> it was more devastating a drop than it would have been if it had been me. <laughs> yes, that's very true. Um, uh, from Nick, nineteen fifty-seven, Monty Don or Jeremy? <laughs> Which I'm. I don't like Monty Don, so I'm going with Jeremy. <laughs> so okay, I, I'd go with Jeremy as well. I'd definitely go with Jeremy. But but just just as a slight aside, who is your favourite gardening TV star? Oh, that well. Are you a Titchmarsh fan? Are you a? I many many years ago when I worked jousting <laughs> he said not wishing to open that kettle up any further than it needs to be but i held a horse for um alan titchmarsh who is a t tv gardener boy are we throwing the americans for a loop here. i held a horse for him when it was um saint uh who's the english saint george saint george's day yeah so that happened um yeah he's fine um yeah, I don't watch much gardening TV. Um, there's some gardener's questions. I actually, I'll tell you who my favourite one is. It's Bob Flowdew because he's he's a massive hypocrite and he absolutely does not care. He just says whatever comes into his mouth at the time and uh, doesn't care about being consistent. I approve of that. Um, <laughs> do you have enough. any opinions, Rachel, <laughs> Monty Don or, or Jeremy? On, um, I'd go for um, uh, Richard Reynolds. He's the gorilla gardener. I like him. He's cool. 
Fair enough. Okay. Um, we have a, a, another one saying here, I dare Jeremy to use the Nikkei. Well, as previously mentioned, the Nikkei is in many, many pieces. Did it spontaneously <laughs> explode? Well, yes. Spontaneously over about half an hour of me and the screwdriver. Um, right. Uh, here's a sensible one from uh, Nialzoid. So, um, Neil would like us to take us through your entire works. We'll go through one at a time. Entire workflow from getting the shot to the final image. I find scanning and organizing a pain in the ass. I also find post-processing a pain in the ass. So why do we do this to ourselves? Also, can I ask a second and third? I'll come to a second and third questions afterwards. Let's deal with the first one first. So workflow. Aid, what's your workflow from workflow? What's your workflow? <laughs> My workflow. <laughs> from, yeah, your workflow. <laughs> what's your work head? Your workflow from um, clicking the shutter to um, eventually getting around to sharing it on Twitter. Uh, for the majority of what I shoot, uh, stick it in the little envelope that gets sent to me from the good folks at AG Photo Lab in Birmingham. Uh, and then receive back from them a CD, which they really must update. If you guys are listening, um, you've really got to start sending them electronically because I only have one computer with a CD drive in it, and that's going to break soon. Mm. Um, so uh, what I've done over the years is I, I sent, I, I've, I've settled on labs where I actually like the way they develop and scan. Um, so I get back, uh, and so from AG Photo Lab, I get back uh, TIFF files um, instead of JPEGs. Um, they only come back as six megapixels, but that's big enough for everything that I do. So I end up with six megapixel TIFF files, which means there's no data thrown away, which in the which means the little bit of touching up that I do in in uh, post processing, uh, which is very very little, um, uh, is is very easy, and it doesn't blow anything away because you know the TIFF file has all the data. And that's it. Cool. Rach, what about you? Uh, yes, yeah, so uh, pressing the shutter. Depending on if it's colour or black and white, if it's uh, colour, I will either take it to the photo lab on the corner of the street um, or send it if it's really, you know, if it's a, a really precious sort of special one, then I will send it also off to AG. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, uh, I believe they do tiffs in different sizes, actually, but they cost different amounts. So uh, I, I also go um, similar to Aid, go for the sort of like six-ish um, uh, megabit megabyte uh, size, so that I have all the information in that. Um, and I would second your suggestion of making sure that it comes uh, if they can update it to to come along as we transfer or something like that. So. We could actually download the files. That'd be really useful. Um, so that's if it's colour. If it's black and white, press the shutter. Sits on my shelf for maybe a year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then finally I'll get round to processing it. So actually it brings us a little bit onto what I've been doing um, this weekend, which is this is my kind of like weekend off, shall we say. Um, and what better way of doing that? of having a lovely weekend off than being in the dark room. And I've absolutely loved it. It's been so nice. It did take me the whole of Saturday to clear the dark room space enough <laughs> that I could use it again properly. Um, but it's meant that um, that I did manage to get a few, a few real, uh, a few rolls um, processed, um, not a huge amount, but at least I've, I've made the start on the backlog. Um, 
I've processed three rolls and I have 27 left on the shelf. Um, Whoa. So, I know, I know, I know. Um, so don't judge me, please. But, but I suppose you are anyway. It doesn't matter. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I have a busy life. What? Where did that come from? <laughs> <laughs> because everybody's like, oh, well, I've maybe got like, you know, five or six in there and I've got 27 and I'm thinking, oh, God. Um, I suppose the, pro- the main problem I find is that I get to I love the shooting part of it, as you may have been able to tell. Um, I really love the black and white processing part of it, but it's just simply down to time. And that is always the battle that I have. I find that I'm always battling against I don't have time to sit in the dark room and do this, which is stupid because it doesn't actually take that long. It's just about getting into the right headspace. And I think the way that I work, I have to kind of be in the space for a day or a couple of days and feel like, yep, I've got into a flow. I've got into I've got into the right space for that, and then I can just sort of start blasting through them, um, <clears throat> which is uh, it's difficult to find two or three consecutive days where I can do that. That's the problem, I think. So uh, it has been lovely this weekend, uh, and feel like I've I've had chance to do at least a few of those. Um, once it gets to that point, I um, then would cut them up, put them into their files, into their sleeves, um, and hopefully scan them. Uh, depending on how I get on with that, they either get scanned straight away or they end up in a ring binder and then I scan them maybe another year later. <laughs> um, there's a sort of interim little step which has been really useful actually, which is Abe Fettig who put together the film app, uh, sorry, the film lab app. And uh, I got myself a small ish sort of like a size light pad put the sleeves of negatives on top of them and then use the little app on my phone so that I can actually just see how they look um, as a as a contact print, which is really useful. I can just do a quick share on Instagram if I want to or just make a little quick edit to say, okay, these are the maybe 10 images out or, you know, 15 images out of the 24 or whatever that I want to actually scan. Um, in which case, I then would take them and put them into my V550 uh, Epson scanner and get them scanned. Um, so once I've done that, I do very little in terms of pro- post-processing, to be honest. I put, probably put them through Lightroom um, just so that I've got them in like a workable end file type um, for sharing. And that's about it, really. I don't really do that much pro- post-processing. Alternatively, if I've got um a 35 mil or a medium format that uh, i'm really love i might actually just print that up in the dark room so i might just literally get some paper out and print them up i, I do quite enjoy making them the sort of five by seven sort of size i, I like that because then they feel like manageable sort of prints i can just put up on the wall um and i enjoy that that's cool awesome um for my part, I'm doing at this point. I'm doing all of my developing at home, and like Rach, there's often quite a long lead time on when that got done. Mm. But fortunately, I don't shoot anything like as much as Rach. Um, but yeah, I do black and white and color at home. Um, and once I've done um, stuff, generally get scanned in. Pre- well, it depends. <laughs> If it's my stuff that I've developed to get scanned in quite quickly because I want to see what they look like, uh, I have had a few sheets of photographs that my um, niece and my mum shot and I developed for them and I didn't get around to developing those for quite some time because uh, there weren't my pictures and I wasn't that bothered. Um, But yes, once it's developed, they get scanned in quite quickly. I tend to scan everything in 
again just using like rachel got um, an epson v500 so similar kind of thing and um stuff gets scanned in uh, in tiff files and then i drag everything into lightroom and go through and um, do whatever i want to do with the pictures frankly um, for, for the most part i don't tend to do a lot with them because for most of the stuff that um I'm doing like last year, it was almost all um, the stuff for the Myopic Me project and, you know, bar going through um, Photoshop uh, elephants to remove dust because I'm very, very bad at keeping my negatives clean. It is something that completely eludes me. So I usually have to spend quite a lot of time um, cleaning it up. Although I have found that quite often using the... Um, digital ice technology on the scanner ha has worked quite well and especially with the stuff like my myopic me project where uh if it takes away a bit of detail not really a problem turns out um mm -hmm. but that said it doesn't cope well with something so today i was uh for a friend scanning in some negatives from 19 uh 19 hang on a second it's written down here what they are 1967 Nope, older than that. Uh, 1935. This is wow. why digital wow. can't hold a candle to, to analog because I, you know, these negatives from 1935, um, and they're fine. And I was scanning those in, and I try to, because as you can probably imagine, these have been looked at by a few people over the years. These negatives are pretty grubby, and I tried running the digital ice on that, and that that just chewed them to pieces. So those I'm having to go through and, and manually do. Um, but yeah, as far as post-processing, I generally don't do a lot unless I, I want to. Um, I, my feelings on post-processing have definitely changed from having seen um, the work at the Iceland project that um, Tim Rubman did, because that was kind of amazing. And that's um, made me realize that, yeah, actually, there are times when if you go in with forethought there, then post-processing is very much a good thing. Um and I'm very bad at getting things ever printed out anywhere. So you're lucky if they ever get as far as uh, Instagram. Um, okay, next one is... Just before you from... go on to the next one, can I yeah. just say how much I have enjoyed your Myopic Me um, project, Graham? It's been really nice. It's been lovely actually seeing some of the more recent ones um, that you've been doing. And uh, yeah, there's there's some lovely things that have come out from that. So I just wanted to say that. Well, thank you very much, Rach. I'm I've got all the stuff from last year developed now, and um, I'm sort of they, they're going out reasonably regularly now <laughs> because they're all done. So, mm. um, over the next probably couple of weeks, I will chew through those and uh, um, then figure out what the hell I'm going to do next because I really don't know. Um, <gasps> exhibition. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> not that. Um, okay, <laughs> next question is from Martin Scarland. I am thinking of returning to Olympus. Yay! Yay! Uh, Good call. I had an OM2 25 years ago and always regretted selling it. Should I buy an OM1 or OM2? OM2? OM2. I know you're OM fanboys slash girl. Oh, and I shoot Bronica too. Um, so, Rach, what do you think? So, the main difference is that the OM2 is uh, aperture priority. Is that right? I Correct. Think so. It has manual it... as well. but Yeah, it, do it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, I well, I only own an OM30, as you know. So um, it, an OM1 or an OM2 are, are kind of like on my wish list. They're definitely something that I I've 
I've wanted for a long time since I've since I found this one um, in the charity shop and was like, this is a great camera. <laughs> um, it would be lovely to own either one of those. So um, uh, I'm glad you've got that, you know, choice. Yay. <laughs> um I suppose maybe having that aperture priority option gives you a little bit extra speed, perhaps. It depends on how you shoot, really. Um, some people love being able to do everything manually. And like you say, Graham, I think you can also shoot manually with that. But I had, do you know what, actually, at last year's, um, last year's the photography show, I picked up an Olympus uh, ME, I think, ME Super um unfortunately it turns out it scratched it scratches oh, it all my pen- negatives yeah, is that pentax wasn't it is that yeah. pentax emmy oh sorry well there you go that's that's completely blowing my point out of the water but it didn't work so don't buy <laughs> don't buy one with a scratch that scratches your negatives in terms of the oms yes either of those sound great to me um i have no um no advice one way or the other i'm afraid because i have never owned or touched either <laughs> how about you graham I think, my, personally speaking, because the main difference is that the OM1 is all mechanical um, and the battery only powers the light meter, and the OM2 is obviously got more electronic govins in there, um, and I like not having to rely on a battery, so I think the OM1's a good call, and um, you know, Martin, I know you're a long-in-the-tooth shooter, you, you don't need all those govins, you'll be fine, go with the classic. Um, hey, do you, you've had a bit of a fiddle around with my OM1 at some point, haven't you? I can't remember whether you have or you haven't. Uh, I, I, think, I think I've held it uh, uh but i don't I, I haven't shot with it um i yeah i i don't have a lot to draw on here don't have a lot to add to this conversation mm-hmm. um uh it, it, if i suppose if i can um you know add to what you just said uh there is always a niggle at the back of my mind with my nikons that there's pcbs in them you know printed circuit mm-hmm. boards which are kicking on for 35 plus years old now um and at some point there's going to be a bit of dry solder on one of those pcbs and then what you've got is a doorstop or a lamp stand you know um so all mechanical is is good um for 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 something that's that age i think um i I wouldn't change what i've got i'm very happy with what i've got my my um my preferred strategy would be to buy as many of them as i can (laughs) and hope that some of them last until somebody bring uh, until bellamy gets out onto market but the um uh, yeah but but there is there is a safety net in in buying a a purely mechanical camera definitely yeah do you have both graham do you have both no, I've got an OM1 and a couple of okay. OM10s. So um, they but, they uh, seem that advice all seems very good to me. So yeah. <laughs> well, of course it does. Right, it's our advice. It's always <laughs> very good. <laughs> oh, okay. and also I should just say thank you to Martin Scarland for um, the lovely cyanotype. It did make its way up to Liverpool, Martin. Just so you know. Yes, and AIDS will make its way to AID when I see you at um, the photo show. AID, you will get yours. Ah, yeah, Sunday the seventeenth of March. Eighteenth. It's under the 18th of March. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, next one's a very short one, which I'm not think we're going to do very well on from Neil Piper. OM1 versus AE1. Um, I'm going to say OM1 because I've never used an AE1. I've never had a Canon camera ever, but I am Canon so... curious. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do have an AE1, don't I, Graham? Because when, when you came up to see me, um, I was having a little look at what I've got on the shelf and there is an AE1 up there mm. unfortunately it, at some point I guess in the past it's been dropped and I hadn't been brave enough to change out the bo- the, the base plate because that 
God knows what they dropped it on or how they dropped it, but it had actually um, broken part of the base plate. You said that actually it's probably only the bit that um, attaches to the power winder, so that's okay because I'm never going to put a power winder on it anyway. But I've just always been a little bit worried about there being, uh, you know, sort of exposed electronics or circuits, you know, that kind of thing. Um, tape it up, I guess. I'll get some electrical tape and and put that on, and I should I should try that out and see see where it goes, how it goes. Yeah. So n- none of us have really got any experience of shooting with the AE one. So we'll just go Wait. with the OM one because we all yes. know we love that. Okay. <laughs> next question. This is a tough one, guys. Um, which, this is from um, Alex Purcell at Grey Nibbler. Which one of the many interesting slash inspiring Sunny 16 guest interviews would you recommend re-listening to if you could only pick God. one okay go on pick I, one guys i missed i missed i missed the part of the question of the say that again for me graham sorry which one of the many interesting slash inspiring sunny 16 guest interviews would you recommend re-listening to gosh oh i know i'm gonna say killian <laughs> Good let's explore call, my right. Is that a good well, call? Can we do a nice break? A, that is a great call. You'll never guess who's joining us next week. <laughs> your, your dream will come true, Rach. Thank you. Well, he is a lovely chap. He is a lovely chap. What about you, Aid? It's a hard question. It is a hard a question. Risk. I'm going to reach way back into the archives. I'm going to say, uh, for pure listening pleasure, I don't think we could do better than Dave. The, 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 surre- the surrealism that happens when Dave is on the show um, is something we need to repeat. Yeah, it's when we feel like we have enough time to deal with the edit job afterwards. I'm also going to reach back. <laughs> we could just do an explicit part. tag. It'd be fine. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I don't think there's a tag that really covers what comes out of Dave's mouth, to be honest. I think that's <laughs> the problem. And the parts where he wanders off mid-conversation and forgets he's recording and thinks he's just listening. Um it's radio gold. Uh, the one, it is radio gold. I mean, I have thoroughly enjoyed absolutely everybody that we've had join us. Um, and so it is incredibly hard picking somebody who I would recommend going back listening to. But um, I'm going to just one from a while ago because people, newer listeners, may not have listened to it. And, you know, we've had quite a few people come back on the second and sometimes third time. But um, we had... Um, Justin Quinnell. Justin, I knew you were going to say yeah. Justin. Yes, because yeah. the guy is gonna... just just <laughs> a force of nature and enthusiasm and joy for what he's doing, and um, and it's just a, an hour of just him. Uh, you can't come away from listening to that without feeling completely buzzed about just everything, really. Um, so, and you know, like I said I know we've got more listeners now than we did back then. So, if you haven't to the show back from April last year with Justin Quinnell. Um, go go back and check that. I mean, go back and check out all the interviews because we had loads of awesome people on. And fortunately, quite a few of them have come back on again since then. But Justin hasn't yet. Might get him back on this year if he's up for it. If he can be fooled twice in a row. Um, but yeah, yeah when is when is World Pinhole Day? We should book Justin for that. April, April the twenty first. Oh, I there think. you go. It's not that far away, then, is it? Yeah. yeah. 
Absolutely. Yep. Okay. You even um, got stuck with uh, an ex guest as a co host. So, uh... oh, <laughs> yeah, don't go back and listen to that one. Boy. We, Actually, we should have done. Part, I know. Part of the uh, part of the reason I, I also mentioned Killian was because I wasn't actually there for the interview with him last time. So it will be nice to uh, to re-listen to that because I listened to your interview with with uh, Killian whilst I was up on the top of the skyscraper in Birmingham doing my uh, doing my um, pinhole project. So that was that's what that reminds me of, which is kind kind of nice. Freezing to death whilst absolutely uh, freezing death. to death. It, you know, slight, but, but seeing all slight. the like city lights coming on and the sun going down and stuff, and it, it, I actually had some really beautiful days. I was very lucky with the weather, and uh, and yeah, so it was literally listening to that in little sections as I was in the middle of hanging on for dear life to this tripod and Steve's chroma camera off the top <laughs> of a, a skyscraper. So uh, if yeah, you get a chance to do that again, I can recommend the Rio Hotel in Vegas. It's about a quarter okay. mile off the strip. They've got a 40, 40th story Ooh, outside bar that you can see all the lights coming along the strip. Po- oh, that sounds amazing. Possibly a little bit more glamorous than Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> Only a little bit. Okay, next question. This is from um, Spandex Ock. Uh, if you could travel back in time to see anything or any person and you were allowed to take one photo, what would it be and what would you shoot it with? And that's I think for that's Sean. a good time to take a break because <laughs> I need time to think about that. <laughs> that's a good shout, Rach, actually. It is, it is beyond time when we should be taking a break anyway. So let's take a break and we'll come back with our <laughs> we'll, answers to that question. We'll all ponder that. <laughs> okay. And we're back, and it's been a longer break for us in real life than it seems on the recording. So, Graham, can you remind us of the question, please? Okay, so the question was, if we could travel back in time to see anything or any person and you were allowed to take one photo, what would it be and what would you shoot it with? And that's from Sean. Rach, you said you'd come up with an answer after your major panic. (laughs) Yeah, I did have a bit of a major panic. My answer is Annie Oakley. I would love to go back and shoot Annie Oakley um, as the sharpshooter that she is, but I'd shoot her with my wet plate camera. That's awesome. That's very cool. <laughs> that's pretty good. I wish I'd gone before Thank you now. I don't think I, I want follow went, that. I once went as her to a fancy dress party. Fun fact. <laughs> that's very cool, Rach. That is very cool. Okay, Aid, what about you? Yeah, yeah. Compared to that, I got nothing. So I'll I tell you what... Um, the, there's some there's some stuff that sticks in my mind, right? Um, uh, two photos, I think. Well, what Leonard one one really the one that always sticks in my mind um, is the photo uh, from the D-Day landings uh, of the soldier in the water, and it's a very blurry photo. And I believe, and I'm gonna get if I get this wrong, I'm gonna it's get Kappa. a lot of flack. It Robert is Kappa, Kappa, is it? Thank yeah, you. It I was is. gonna say it's Kappa. That's the photo that st- the historical photo that always sticks in my brain. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm not much of a documentary photographer, or I, I'm not an aficionado, or any very knowledgeable about war photography or anything like that. 
but uh, and, I, and I don't know why that's my answer to this question even, but something around that is is something that I can never get out of my head. Yeah. Mm. It, it really captures something, something in that image. It, well, I think there were only 11 that actually survived off that role yeah um because they went to um the newspaper office obviously to be to be sent out and i believe there was an issue with the drying cabinet and the technician had been told to get them done so they could get them out really quick um and so he turned it up or she turned it up and uh, to to get them dried quicker and it uh, ended up messing up a lot of the film so i think there were only 10 or 11 shots actually that came out of that role in the end those are the only ones that survived i did not know um, that yeah. yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, imagine being that tech. Oh my god, imagine being that lab tech. You just, I really feel for them because they were obviously under pressure from so many places, getting calls going. We need these shots because they're the only ones at the time. You know, didn't have smartphones. <laughs> Not everybody was out there <laughs> shooting everything. Um, you know, a billion times over. So they were the only images from that. And there, there is something really haunting about those. I think because you can just feel that panic in that image. You can see that movement and and uh, and what have you it does it does stick with you definitely it does and it's different from any of the others um like the mm. the the one of the spanish soldier getting shot um mm. uh, in, in the act of being shot and falling over backwards um yeah Alleg and, allegedly alleged i know there's a whole bunch of controversy around that photo and i uh that that never maybe because of the controversy maybe because you just don't know um it it never impacted me in the way that the d-day landings one did mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, well that's good so we've got you heading back to the wild west race to get mm. uh, a, a, an iconic portrait of um annie oakley uh, and aid you're, you're going to the i know mine isn't mine isn't even an answer to the question is it because <laughs> i cl clearly i don't want to go back to the d-day <laughs> landings and and you know that yeah that would be both disrespectful and stupid um but uh that is the that is the photo the historic photo that sticks in my mind and i can't do anything about it and i don't have a proper answer to the question i'm afraid Okay, well, my my answer is gonna, in some ways, yours is the very, uh, even though it's not what you want to go back and do yourself, but it's the sort of the documentary answer of trying to. That's the moment you think most wants to be saved. Um, mine, mine, I think, is definitely not upon that level, but it it kind of it fills in the the other niche that um, photographs can fill. It's a very sappy answer, but it's nonetheless true. Um, I have a good picture of me and my dad um and if i could if i could get one picture because like the only picture on my uh mantelpiece or my thing is like of me when i'm a kid with my dad because there just just weren't any other decent pictures and that's a real bummer so i would love to be able to go back to a time preferably before he was dead because um, he definitely looked better before then and um and get a nice picture of the two of us together um that if, if i could do it that would be the one because that's the thing about pictures is that you know, they they can be these incredibly important documentary pictures, and they can be these um, uh, you know, way of remembering important figures from history. But they can also be just something that's really important and personal to us. And mm. um, you know, Rachel's got a beautiful picture of her and her mum on on your mantelpiece mm. at home. And yeah, I think often those pictures are the most important ones. And yeah, if I could wave a magic wand, that is absolutely what I would do with that. So. 
Okay, that was that's, a difficult question for all of us. That, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I have thought of a late breaking up actual proper answer to that, but I don't think I should follow what you guys have just said. So. <laughs> no, go go on, give us your answer, please. All right, okay, all right. It's 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 uh, not not quite as awe inspiring as as that, but um. So I have a book which is amazing and speaks to me a lot. Uh, a book by Glennie Friedman, uh, and who shot. Uh, who has a huge body of work uh, shooting uh, skateboarders in the 70s and 80s and early hip-hop artists, again, 70s, 80s, and some into the 90s. Um, and uh, I've never been a skateboarder, but I, I love hip-hop and uh, and all of that kind of culture stuff. And I think that's, uh, you know, he didn't just shoot hip-hop, he shoot the sort of the punk rock scene in, in CBGBs in New York and stuff like that. So... Um, uh, I think that's something that I would love to be able to go back and do. Uh, the book, by the way, is called mm. My Rules by Glenn E. Friedman, an awesome coffee table book if ever you get the chance to see it. Awesome. That's a good answer, dude. That's a good answer. Thanks, okay. Mm. Um, next question is from Ken Bryson. What was your most awkward, can I take your picture moment, and did you get the shot you wanted? So, Rach... What about you? Have you had any oh, awkward God. moments? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, many. I'm just trying to think of one in particular. Um, I, I see. I'm a. I'm really. I'm a bit of a coward when it comes to to that. It, it, street photography is um, has always been something that I wanted to be better at. That I would like to learn. That I would like improve on. And um, I think a lot of it comes down to that that confidence to go over to somebody and be like you look pretty cool I'd like to take your photo I mean how do you even <laughs> how do you even start mm. that conversation that feels so weird <laughs> to me um and I'm you know generally a pretty chatty person as you may have known noticed so um so yeah but I, f- I find that a real block I find that very difficult and it frustrates the hell out of me actually because I know that I'm missing things there's sometimes shots that I think oh god if I just went over and and said can I can I do this can I take this photo whatever um they probably would say yes you know that's um yeah it's tough I can't think of any one incident um where that's happened but um but yeah I've I've definitely tried I've like plucked up the courage and gone no you're being stupid and then asked and it's they've looked at me very blank (laughs) um (laughs) and it's all been rather awkward and I've you know made a hasty retreat <laughs> so uh yeah i think and and kind of like gone oh okay well uh, um i'll just shoot the building over here instead then <laughs> probably that what about you Aid? you're much more of the portrait shooter than rachel or i are i am but uh what rach says really resonates <laughs> um i Glad it's I, not just me then. I'm struggling to think of a time when I've actually been up to somebody in the street and said, please, can I take your photograph? Uh, yeah, it's uh, I, I can't I can't think of one time when I've ever been able to bring myself to do it. I mean, it's not really my thing to do anyway, um, but uh, I can't think of any time when I've been able to do that. That's sad. We are. It? 
uh, we are a real bunch of cowards here. I think that is um, <laughs> yep. fairly safe to say. Uh, I think in total, I, I can only think of one occasion where I have actually asked somebody if I could take their photo. Um, and this was last year, I think. Maybe it was the year before. I, I forget. Um, at the bike meet that happens nearby. And um and that's a sort of that's a great place to actually go and take pictures of people because everyone's kind of out there doing their thing. And um, I got chatting to this woman with this cool old motorbike, and after chatting for a while, I thought I plucked up the courage. Do you mind if I took, take your picture? And of course, it was fine. And she's like, "Yeah, of course, that'd be great." Um, and and that's the reality of it is that most of the time. It, it, well, in a situation like that where people, I guess, have got a heightened um, approachability because you know everyone's dressed up in their bike gear and whatever, it was it was nice and easy to do. I think probably one of the more embarrassing occasions, not that it was even particularly embarrassing, I was up on Whitehorse Hill, which is local to me, just taking some pictures many, many years ago. And um, I saw these two women walking towards me in the distance. I'll just grab a picture. They were a long way away. And I just clicked the picture and, you know, just of them as part of a landscape and thought no more about it. But they clearly saw me as they got close to it. Oh, you're going to take our picture. I'm like, oh. <laughs> so, and then I just had to take another picture. The pictures were terrible because it was way too dark and the camera had at the time could not cope with the light levels. But it was just like, oh, I totally got busted for snapping a picture of them when i thought they would not vaguely have noticed so uh yeah never mind um that's definitely i just sorry I, I just had i just had a um a remembrance of something where i happened to be in real one year in february <laughs> sorry to hear on, that on <laughs> uh, on the on the promenade um area and it was a case of well you know i, I might as well go out and shoot some stuff because that'll be that'll be fun um and i was just taking a photo of the general landscape without realizing similar to yourself actually Graham, that there was actually somebody in the background and they got closer and closer as they were coming out of the sea and it was a chap in the middle of february wearing just speedos coming out of the sea in real um <laughs> so he is forever immortalized somewhere in a photo in my collection <laughs> um and um, yeah, that was probably the most embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. As you do. As you do. As you do. Okay, we've just got a couple of these left. Oh, two few left. Okay, so um from uh our friend Jonas at Colmatorn, what was your first getting back to film experience like? Ooh. Do either of you have a, a memorable cause, I mean I I didn't really have a getting back to film experience because although I'd shot 35 mil um not in any meaningful way so for me it was just an adventure from the get-go and I just remember buying um uh, my Fujika 605 for 10 pounds on eBay and it came with a lens and getting some HP5 film and and going out with it and kind of being instantly hooked and getting the results back from the lab and that thing that even mundane subjects somehow look more magical when they're shot on film. There's just something about it, um, something about the look of it, and that that was that was me hooked right from the get go. Um, what about you guys? Aid, have you got one? Uh, yeah, I, I actually remember it distinctly. Um, so, um, so I had a couple of point and shoot film cameras when I was younger, when film was the only thing you had. Um, but I, I wouldn't have considered myself uh, an enthusiastic photographer at that point. 
But the uh, uh, and I, when I got into photography in uh, properly in about 2008, um, so nearly about 10 years ago, actually, um, I got into photography properly and uh, that was very much digital. Uh, but the time I got into back into film uh, we, was a summer holiday, a family summer holiday when the kids were very, very young. Uh, and uh, I took um, my father-in-law had given me uh, a film SLR. It was pretty gunky, but I think I did take it with me. But I also bought uh, a Diana. So my the first film camera I bought was actually a Diana um and uh, i remember going on holiday and shooting that and uh really enjoying shooting it and not knowing what it was going to look like and then really enjoying seeing what came out of it even though half of it was <laughs> not great um but that yeah i to totally remember my first experience and 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 was hooked from that point completely that's really cool yeah mine i again i felt um i remember really distinctly it was 2014 and I happened to find a Pentax S1A in the Oxfam charity shop the furniture one Graham that I took you to <laughs> um down the road is that the one where I got my Adam and the Ants record from it is oh it is. you've yeah, got Adam and the Ants record which one yeah, no. uh it, what's it called hang on a second I was it's literally absolutely hilarious the the photoshop <laughs> job on that is amazing isn't it we should definitely talk about that for just two minutes before i go on to my recollection <clears throat> tell tell yeah. us how paint is a visual picture with words yeah this is so this is um i think it's the second adam and the ants record it's prince charming age eh? you'll be glad to hear and oh. i have it here because i was listening to it this afternoon and yes this the centerfold it's a folding record it's it's kind of incredible. I mean, I don't know what the background, how it was created. It looks like probably some sort of CG background, but in the 80s. And then they used a still from the video um, to cut the members of the band walking towards. So it's all super blurry and very badly cut out and stuck on. It's it's the worst Photoshop job you've ever seen. And when you add to that, anybody who has never seen Adam and the Ants should absolutely look them up because they had a certain style, I think it's safe to say. Je ne sais quoi? <laughs> I don't know. As the, as the French say, je ne sais quoi. Um, and so, yes, this incredible look combined with this terrible Photoshopping really does make for something quite special but yeah that was my real treat so um, is this the album if i'm going to google it and try and find it right now is it the album yeah it certainly is yes. uh, okay yeah all right and it's you got it aid can uh, you see it uh i'm not sure i can actually but the uh i can i can search on the album cover do you know what i mean it clearly that predates actual photoshop um but uh do you know do you say what they were wearing do you know they were they were dressed by like people like vivian westwood i mean what they <laughs> oh see, yeah seriously, they, what they were wearing was was absolute high fashion it really it really was and you know it's just that's now we know where hamish gets it from does Hamish <laughs> dress like Adamant? No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I think they I were dressed just going by... along with the high fashion. That was what I was thinking. <laughs> I think they were dressed by the um, throwouts from Pirates of the Penzance. Uh, it's. Uh, I will try and either take a picture or scan an image in to share with people. But it's. <laughs> it was a delight, great. wasn't it? Yes, we, it was a delight. Finding we, that we, was a real treasure. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> 
What were we talking about? <laughs> I can't we were talking remember. about my first film experience, getting back oh, into yeah. analog. And I was saying that actually I bought my my Pentax S1A from that very charity shop um, for fifteen pounds. I saw it in the um, uh, in the in the cabinet, and I thought this is a pretty lovely chunk of camera, really. And it got a nice strap as well, which is good. Um, so I knew I could take it out on on long walks and things. And what I decided to do was take it along to the Middleport Pottery in Stoke-on-Trent because I was current I was working there at the time um as at the university at Staffordshire University and um I was on the um uh, on the board with um Staffordshire University and Middleport Pottery and we were discussing projects that would be happening whilst they were doing the regeneration of this amazing place so the Prince's Regeneration Trust had come in and they had started basically going around all of the different rooms in this awesome pottery factory um and started to open them up again because they started they opened up in 1888 christmas day i think and they've never stopped production so as obviously over the years pottery production declined they ended up shutting up a lot of the rooms and lots of sort of like areas of the of the factory and kind of condensing down into a very small area um and it had been like that for for quite a number of years maybe about 50 years or so and the um, Prince Regeneration Trust and a few other people came along and said, OK, well, we'll we'll put some money into actually bringing the site back up to scratch. And we literally went round. Uh, I was really lucky enough to be asked to go round and document it. And I thought this is perfect for analogue because I'd just come across this camera. I'd found an old roll of film and I thought I'll chuck that in. I'll go along and I'll shoot with that. So I did some digital shots, but actually mainly I was wanting to know how it would look on film um, because I wanted something from the from the time when it had actually been shut kind of originally. So I uh, went along and uh, took all these sort of like series of images as they were opening up all these rooms and all the dust was flying out and we were finding all these fabulous sort of old documents and things. Um, and that was when I first got back into analogue because I shot those, took them, got them processed just at the little lab up the road. And when they came back, I thought, yep, this is what I need to do. I need to do more of this because it was so, it was just so lovely and so tactile and you could just feel that, light in that moment in a way that digital had never quite given to me so i really really loved that and that was the point that i got back into analog there you go that's a good story <laughs> i like i like that story that's a good story okay Thanks. we have just got a couple it was a yeah sorry right it was a very good story i feel bad <laughs> enough for not saying that afterwards god i've been guilty that's okay, okay we've got... right <laughs> we got getting punchy here. Sorry, nobody nobody expects you to have any of the social graces mate it's fine <laughs> Thank you. Oh, that's a relief. Okay, we've got a couple of quick ones here just to finish up. Um, favourite film, either in camera or in the cinema? I'm going to say um, in the cinema because we talked about our favourite films quite a lot. So, what's your, what's your pick a favourite film and don't agonise over it, Rachel? Okay, <laughs> number one, Die Hard. Number two, Rear Window. Cool. Aid, what about you? Uh, well, I've always been very partial to uh, the 1973 film uh, with starring Robert. Redford and Paul Newman, which is The Sting, which is one of my all-time favourites. That is a great film. It's definitely a film you would never forget the name of, so I'm uh, glad that that one's on the tip of your tongue. <laughs> <laughs> What's your uh, favourite film? 
God, you know, that's a tough one because I'm not, I mean, I enjoy films, but it's half to point to a favourite. <laughs> that doesn't make me sound like an idiot. Um, I really like Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead's an awesome film. Shaun of the Dead's pretty great. I mean, I like a lot of films and it's hard for me to think of one that really raised me, but Shaun of the Dead is definitely one of those films I can watch over and over again and not get e- bored. Even more um, than Hot Fuzz. Yeah, there's something about the purity of Shaun of the Dead. It's just, it, I mean, Hot Fuzz is great, um, but there's just something about the. I don't know what it is about Sean the Dead. It just just makes me laugh every time. So I'm going to go with that. That's a real highbrow answer, which nobody will be surprised by. Um, okay. I like that there's been a big range, though. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. That is very true from the sublime to the ridiculous, as per usual. Um, okay. Pat McGroin would like to know definitively what is the difference between a quid and a pound? Aid? Bugger all. Uh, there you go. Bugger all is the answer. There is bugger all difference between a quid and a pound. I have a neither. Um, and, and I just want to say, because um, Robert at London Camera Project was most upset that he didn't get enough time to get his question in time, even though I've kept checking them throughout. But he did He did come up with a very good answer for the question from Sean about where would you like to go and what picture would you like to shoot back in time. And so he's gone for standing on that grassy knoll in Dallas with the longest zoom lens you've ever seen and some very fast film. So... That's a pretty good mm, shout too. Nice. Um, I remember so, watching Dallas. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. I'm not sure that's where that was going, Rach. But oh, just okay. Move past, <laughs> just move past it, Aid. It's getting late. Let's just keep going. We'll never get out of here. Um, that is all of the questions. Thank you so much. Oh, actually, oh gosh darn it, he says. Um, there is actually one more, Rach, uh, and this mm. one is one I, I can't answer. So this is a technical one. And oh, this God. is coming via email from um, Matthew Kavanagh. So let's throw this one at the end. Um, I've got a question about printing. So maybe Rachel will have some advice. Um, I've got a Durst color enlarger, but no manual. And I think it's supposed to be able to work as a multi-grade contrast control with the multi-grade paper. But I've got no idea how that works. Any thoughts? I've tried adjusting it to an Ilford data sheet thing, but it reduced rather than increased the contrast. And I had to leave it in the developer for three times as long to get the most faint images. If the question is a bit niche, sorry, I don't know anyone else to ask. Cheers. And that's from Matthew Kavanagh. Any ideas? Um, no, I'm ever so sorry, Matthew. It's not, I mean, colour printing is not really my area, I'm afraid. But, um, you could try AG Photographic or Photo Labs because I think they have um, their own special darkroom and I'm sure they'll be able to help with the answer to that. So I'm sorry I can't help. I will pass that over to somebody who does um, a lot more colour printing. Yeah, and if any listeners have got uh, thoughts on that, because I'm sure some of our listeners out there are probably using these um, Durst colour enlargers, um, please do write in and let us know, because I would be interested to hear the answer to that. Mm. Um, That is definitely it for questions, I promise. Scouts honour. I also didn't make it into the Scouts. I was only a Cub Scout. You and I both (laughs) dropouts, right? We're both dropouts. Okay, we didn't make it. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough, indeed. Well, you know, we've got a uh, 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 you know a load of load of questions there. So thanks everybody to to all the listeners um, who've given us uh, some questions to go through this evening. Uh, that has been good fun. We should do that more often. I would also I think. like to do just a quick little shout out to Dan uh, Dan Smith and Barnaby Nook because I received my Nighttime Adventures in Neopan booklet this week and it's absolutely beautiful. 
so so that's two out of three of us have got that now then because i'm i've really mm. enjoyed it as well actually so yes um uh, and i'll make sure that i pass mine on to graham uh next time we meet up which is no doubt going to be sunday the 18th, 18th. of march uh so don't forget everybody we are having a sunny 16 meetup sunday the 18th of march and that will be at the national exhibition center in Birmingham, UK, uh, because we're going to be meeting up at the photography show. And uh, that is going to be a load of fun. Uh, and uh, we look forward to seeing you all. Make Absolutely. Sure um, <clears throat> yeah. And we have a little discount code as well. So just to remind you, if you've not yet bought your tickets, um, you can get £3 off your entry fee. Um, if, if you're not a professional or have a uh, press pass, then you can get £3 off your entry fee using the code SUN16TPS18. That's a good code. Do you want to say that one again? Yep, that is SUN16TPS18. Okay, there we go, folks. Uh, chance to get uh, to meet all of the sunbeams, uh, despite whatever <laughs> mood we might be in that day. <laughs> uh and uh chance to yeah it'd be good to me do you know what i am actually really looking forward to this i'm really looking forward to uh meeting up with people and i hope lots and lots of people can make it and uh because for me pretty much the best thing about doing this podcast for the last however many months it is um uh 88 shows 88 shows <laughs> uh, well that's yes good point two fat ladies 88 there we go um <laughs> and uh yeah the best thing for me pretty much of doing all of this stuff has been the people that i've got to meet for doing it uh and so to actually chance to meet them face to face uh is both incredibly exciting and slightly scary at the same time <laughs> absolutely but, we'll but, have hey, buckets of tea that's yeah. that's the plan yeah absolutely absolutely it'd be great it'd be great fun great fun all right well um uh, well before we close the show then is there any other business there is just one quick thing i want to remind people about we are in the middle of the cheap shots challenge um we have been getting emails saying is this camera okay can i use this so <laughs> we're in it people people are out there they are getting on with this um i definitely saw my cheap shots camera in a cupboard the other day so i'm nearly on board with it and i will be taking it away with me next week when i go on holiday because there is going to be some bike riding and some archery taking place and i will be hopefully doing neither of those things so um <laughs> get out there and get taking your pictures don't forget if you've got some taken and you've got some processed and you're moving far quicker than well let's face it rachel and i ever do with these things um <laughs> share them on all the social medias with the hashtag cheap shots challenge and send us your two favorite ones to uh the sunny 16 podcast at gmail.com and just put cheap shots challenge in the um subject line so we know what they're for and then they then they can be judged at the end very nicely <laughs> judged have you lined up a judge yet or are you, are you thinking of somebody you know i like to leave these things to the last minute <laughs> and you, then panic you chose poorly last time i mean you came yeah, third <laughs> and rachel only got one photo <laughs> i did i did and i got told off by em as well for not doing a proper scan yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, you really half-assed it in a very Hamish-like way. You shush you, you shush. (laughs) Okay, all right then, on that note, I think we really have uh, ground to a halt for this show. So, uh, as always, we like to thank Chris at pixelatedphotographer.com for hosting the show. You can find uh, Graham on Instagram, me on Twitter, and Rach on Facebook, all under Sunny16Podcast. Or you can email us, or and you can email us, uh, sunny16podcast at gmail.com. Thanks also to Rachel's band, Rocha. Have I got that right? Is that a Rocha? You Is have. Good you pronunciation. Have, yes. uh, Very good. And people should go to Spotify or Spotify or Amazon or whiskies? iTunes. How uh, many whiskies? <laughs> uh, well, technically they were all in the what? same glass, so only the one. <laughs> Uh, and uh, the album of course is Promises I Should Have Kept which uh, generates the music for this show Uh, right we've enjoyed talking to you we've enjoyed listening actually to the questions and and answering them and uh, we look forward to seeing you next week goodbye thanks guys bye bye bye